1: Good morning. It is August 11, 2023. It is Friday. I am Tanya, and this is The Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Grow Your Own Optimist by Olive Blake. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, if there's one thing I'm willing to bet on, it's myself. Beyonce. I'm not going to lie, I don't always find, like, Beyonce-inspired quotes um, inspiring, and not from her own words, but, like, people trying to say inspiring things, like using Beyonce as an example, usually doesn't work for me, Um, but I like this one. It's nice. So we are talking about Flower Moon this week. This is an Earl Grey kind of tea with lavender. So if you like Earl Grey, if you like lavender, if you like like black tea, this is the one for you. Check it out. I love Earl Grey, especially when it's brewed like perfectly. Oh, so good. So what makes Earl Grey just not black tea? Well, it's the bergamot. And I'm sure I've told this story a million times, but I actually met, like, Mr. Twining's of Twining's Tea. It was wild. And it was, like, not on purpose. It was insane. Um, But whenever I think of, like, Earl Grey, I think of Twining's Tea for some reason. But it's the bergamot that makes Earl Grey Earl Grey. So what is bergamot? So if you've had Earl Grey, you've tasted bergamot. It comes from the citrus bergamia plant, a fruit tree believed to be native to the Mediterranean region. And this comes to us from webmd.com. So a blend of sour orange and lemon is pretty much bergamot. It's like if orange and lemon had like a little baby. So, and I love both those things. So I'm a big fan of bergamot. So are there health benefits? Well, There's health benefits to oranges and lemons, so there's got to be bergamot. According to WebMD, it can help reduce cholesterol. And this uh, basically is from studies that showed an overall uh, reduction in bad cholesterol and an increase in good cholesterol. It is said to help with depression. That's not surprising. Citrus tends to be good with that. Studies have shown that the aromatherapy Including bergamot can help with depression, easing joint pain. Scientists have found that bergamot might protect joints in people taking uh, aromatase inhibitors as part of a cancer treatment. But they do need to like do more research on that. And some believe it can help with schizophrenia. So, there are actually some mild side effects. Uh, Some people experience side effects like dizziness, muscle cramps, and heartburn when they take bergamot with food. I'm guessing the oil. And then blood sugar issues. Bergamot may cause your blood sugar to drop. So, if you have diabetes, your blood pressure sugar might reach unsafe levels, but it's just important to consider this. And they're really talking like supplements, like a lot of bergamot. I don't think they're talking like the little bit you get in tea or from eating an orange. Um, I think when we take supplements, we're taking such a large dosage of these things that it can sometimes cause problems. Um, I don't want to blame a certain supplement for like my own health issues, but I was taking this one supplement uh, for years actually. And I recently found out two, Very weird, strange medical things that happened to me that I don't think are like super common happened when I was taking these supplements. And apparently that is like a side effect. So just keep in mind like supplements do do things to us, right? So when we take really large amounts, we just want to be cautious and careful. All right. So moving into some headlines, this one looks fascinating. If you know anything about me, you know I love a good scandalous story. This comes to us from The New Yorker, The Upper West Side Cult That Hid in Plain Sight. You know what? Let's dig in. This was written by Jessica Winter. So, cults thrive in isolation, and this poses a challenge for the urban cult leader Jim Jones of People's Temple. Oh, if you guys haven't seen How to Become a Cult Leader on Netflix, check it out. It shares like a lot of information about uh, these really big cults that have had uh, really lasting impressions on society. So Jim Jones of People's Temple exerted an unsettling degree of influence on San Francisco politics of the late 1970s but was eventually forced to flee to his doomed jungle outpost in Guyana. Charles Manson made halting inroads in the late 60s Los Angeles music scene while his family hunkered down on a 55-acre spawn movie ranch. Scientology has prominent real estate holdings in major cities across the world, but its elite management unit, the Sea Org, was originally intended to operate in international waters in order to evade government. So, as we see, like, cult leaders have, they're typically very charismatic, and they exert a lot of control over the people they guide but something i have to tell you and this is you know i have a psychology background we we had a a you know a lecture on cults uh the thing is is if you think a cult can't get you they can right if you think they can't get you it means you're unaware of your weaknesses to the point where you can't see if someone's preying on them you know so, the thing is, is when people join these organizations, they're not joining a cult. The people don't come out come out of the gate with, like, the, the weird, creepy stuff, you know? They typically come out of the gate with, like, uh, really reasonable things I think we all want, right? Community, support, things like that. And I think that we're all striving for that. I know I'm always striving for that. So... The important thing is to kind of being able to see the moment it becomes not okay. And just from my own research, from the things I've seen, I've done a lot of studying into this because I think it's just fascinating. Um, And I'm also very, I'm a cautious person. If I think anything just sounds a little too organized, I'm like, "Mm." Uh, and this is coming from someone who loves to organize like structures, which is. I know, a little ironic, but um, I love to organize structures because I think structures give people a sense of stability and safety, uh, but there, it, it can go too far. And if I had to like point out one red flag, if I had to point out one thing where I said look out for this, the thing I would say is, you know, you, it, it might be going too far if they want you to put yourself in a vulnerable position that they can later extort. And uh we see examples of this. So we see examples of this with Nexium, right? So Nexium, uh, that was like the newer one that had the actress from Smallville. So uh that moment for the for those people was when the leader asked them to take, um, nude photographs of themselves and they always kind of spin it as like no it's a trust thing but it's not right and I think for Scientology uh they have they like they do the same things so they'll have the members share like the most horrible things they've ever done and thought and then they record it so they can use it later so if I had to just from all my years of like looking into this research um, the very tiny bit of education I have on this, I would say if I had to pinpoint a moment, you know, like a group or coven or club or anything is going too far is the moment they ask for something that can almost be used as like collateral damage against you. Uh, so just be cautious, right? We just have to be cautious and question everyone's motives. And, uh, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, there you go. So let's hear about this one in particular. Um, I'm having to skip a lot because they're really just trying to teach us about cults. And I don't think we need to be taught about that. So let me see. So at its peak in the mid to late 70s, the psychoanalytic association known as the Sullivan Institute had as many as 600 patients slash members clustered in apartment buildings that the group bought or rented on the cheap Manhattan's Upper West Side. They also ran an experimental theater troupe called the Fourth Wall on the Lower East Side. The Sullivans adhered to the same principles and traditions as many of the ashrams and Ural, uh, rural international communities of the era. So, think like communal living, group parenting, socialist um, politics, uh, polyamory. Um, the things you kind of expect like from movies, I guess, when you hear of uh, this sort of thing. But they came to their belief system through the gateway of psychoanalysis, kind of sounds like Scientology, the self actualization tool of the urban intellectual. And they enacted their beliefs on crowded concrete islands of nearly a million and a half people, often while holding down high status jobs as physicians, attorneys, computer programmers, and academics. The Institute's co-founder and reigning uh, reigning tyrant, Saul Newton, who sat atop the organization from the mid-1950s to the 1980s, he died in 1991, may have come closer than any of his far more notorious peers in establishing a truly metropolitan cult, its members visible but practices obscure. That's fascinating. I'm not surprised they had a theater troupe. I feel like there's always, like, a little extracurricular thing. So, this is interesting. Apparently, um, there was a book called The Sullivans, Sex, Psychotherapy, and Wildlife of the American Commune it is really interesting. I'm not going to lie. I, so I talked about, about like knowing your weaknesses and I definitely know my weaknesses. Like I know how I can get pulled in. I know how other people have like used, uh, my weaknesses to manipulate me in the past. Like you have to know your weaknesses. And I will say like, I feel like something like this could get me really good because I love when we dig into psychology, especially like, psychoanalytics or like psychoanalysis uh i just think that's so fascinating so if 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 a group like this and of course you you never know the full story when they come to you came to me and was like hey we just like we really think it's interesting like psychoanalytics or like um micro social psychology i would be like oh my gosh that sounds great so the sullivans basically their thing was the nuclear family oh that wouldn't get me which they identified as the wellspring of human pathology so to shake off uh bourgeoisie nor norms sullivan patients lived with same-sex roommates and cultivated close platonic friendships replete with tween style sleepovers oh that would i like a sleepover they had lots of heterosexual partners. In fact, turning down most any sexual proposition from a group member was frowned upon. Oh, and they lost me again. See? We, uh, you know, snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. Like, they get you, and they drop you. Uh, it's it's very fascinating. I, I think these are interesting. And we recently heard of um, something similar that a parent of a college student did at, at his daughter's school. It was wild. But this is really fascinating. If this interests you, it's definitely something to look into. It looks like there might be a book. Um, I know after I log off, I'm going to read more about this, but I just thought you might find it interesting. So uh, check it out. I will have it on the link tree. All right, which is I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more.
2: Hello to all of my astro friends, this is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Friday, August 11th. The waning crescent moon moves from chatty Gemini to moody Cancer today. Here the moon squares Neptune. Neptune and Mars are in opposition and the square to the moon pulls this opposition into a T-square. This T-square is mutable in nature and it'll be hard to pin down a solution. Mars's pace has already been slowed by his transit through careful Virgo, but the opposition to Neptune is making it very difficult for Mars to see where he's going or what his next move needs to be. If you're feeling a little lost with this energy at play, just know that you're not alone. This aspect can make it hard to see your feet in front of you, much less the goalposts that you're trying to get to. The best thing to do during this transit is to trust your intuition to guide you, Neptune works much better when you rely on your sixth sense. Your daily moon mantra is, don't be pushed by your problems, be led by your dreams. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. From the pages of Witchway
0: Magazine comes a new collection of stories by longtime fiction contributor Olive Blake called Grow Your Own Optimist. Featuring a never before seen short story, Grow Your Own Optimist is often romantic, occasionally satirical, and always unexpected. These surprising tales of demons, devil's advocates, dystopia and dating remind us that there's magic to be found in the dark places. Olivia Blake is a New York Times bestselling author of The Atlas Six and several other books, including the Which Way Anthology, The Answer You Are Looking For Is Yes, and the novella La Petite Mort. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Goblin Prince Toddler, and Rescue Pitbull. Find the new anthology series Grow Your Own Optimist by Olivia Blake wherever books are sold.
1: All right, we are back. So. It is Friday, and I've really enjoyed The Encyclopedia Game. I've gotten absolutely no feedback on it, so I don't know if other people enjoy it. But I have a nice time. So, uh, if you don't know The Encyclopedia Game, I take one of my supposedly very rare books, The Encyclopedia of Occultism and Parapsychology, and I take one of the books that are, like, not a part of a set. And I pick... A random page number, and we learn some cool information from the awesome parapsychologists of the 80s. I think this volume's from the 80s. I think that's so fun. So we're going to random number generate it between about uh 400 pages. Oh, gosh. This is, like, pages long. What's this one? Oh, oh my gosh, this is recorded instances of possession, and it is pages long. So I'm going to pick one in here the best I can. Oh, these are all just first-hand accounts. Oh, here we go, I found one. It's just pages and pages and pages of quotations about possession. Here we go. Quote, Anton Laquette, knight of the Order of the Fleece, of high repute throughout Flanders, and privy counselor of Brabant, had married in Burges, and his wife soon after their nuptials began to show the torments of an evil spirit. So much so that at times, even in company, she was suddenly taken up and dragged through rooms and thrown from one corner to another. Despite the efforts of those around to restrain and hold her, she was a little conscious of her bodily welfare while in this frenzy, and it was the general opinion that her condition had been induced by a former lover of her young and light-hearted husband. Scandal. Scandal. Meanwhile, she became pregnant... Without a cesarean in the evil torment and the time of her delivery being at hand, the only woman present was sent for the midwife. But instead, she came in and herself acted as midwife, which disturbed the invalid so much that she fainted. Whoa. She found on recovering that she had been delivered, yet to the astonishment of both... There was no sign of a child. The next day on awakening, she found a child in swaddling clothes in the bed and she nursed it a couple of times. Falling asleep shortly afterwards, the child was taken from her side and she was never seen again. It was reported that notes with the hallmark of magic had been found inside the door. That is spooky. wow that's spooky that's a lot that's like possession slash rosemary's baby slash changelings maybe um that was interesting i might have to find out more information on that (laughs) and elaborate i've been making fun little tiktoks based off like the little stories we've been finding in these and i want to see if i can find more on this and expand on it but that was interesting All right, witches, I think we're wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show, so I want to give some shout-outs. First, let's see. To listener Nessa. Nessa, you wicked luminous unicorn nurse. Emily Cresswell, you pretty bedazzled gazelle. Callisto Lowry, you celestial smashing oracle. And finally, Allison DeCoste, you dapper, tenacious kitten. Thank you for so much being Patreon supporters. I very much appreciate it. So, before we leave, let me see if I have any housekeeping. Yes, so if you are on the Patreon tier where you get a little postcard, that is going out soon, so you can look out for that. And we do have a card pull today. Our card is the Nine of Pentacles from the Buffy Tarot. Let's see. You are closing out the cash register and doing a little dance of capitalist superiority. Now it's time to treat yourself to something you've been longing for. The Nine of Pentacles bodes well for travel, investments, and little luxuries to remind you why you work so hard. Don't neglect planning for your future. This card is one of independence and encouraging you to take care of yourself in the long and short term. All right, witches, that is all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we reference today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again next week.
0: All right. Bye. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com one stop for everything we talk about. Now, Take one more deep breath and have a great day.